your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Monday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. We have a very exciting week for you. So we dropped our episode with LaShawn Daniels breaking down the win over Northwestern yesterday. We have five episodes this week, potentially even a bonus episode on top of that. So let me run through all that with you here in a second. But first, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find this podcast wherever you get podcasts at for free Monday through Friday and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. Before we get to this week's schedule, though, on today's episode, we are breaking down the analytics of the win over Northwestern, talking a little bit about the offensive line, obviously diving a bit deeper into Alex Padilla versus Spencer Petras. And we also want to talk a little bit about how the defense has truly changed without Riley Moss in the lineup, expecting to get him back this week. That could be and that will be a very big thing for this defense. That's what we're covering on the first part of today's show. And then we're going to be doing a preview of the men's basketball season. We've already talked a lot about men's basketball wherever we can leading up to the season. So we're doing kind of a quick preview of that team. And that kind of sparks what we're doing the rest of the week. So on tomorrow's episode, we are joined by one of the beat writer, Kyle Huseman. He's going to be joining us on the show tomorrow to talk about women's basketball and doing a full preview there. So really excited about that. We also have a crossover episode with a guy who covers the Minnesota Gophers. We'll be talking um, on Thursday about that. We also potentially might have Alex Padilla's quarterback coach joining the show, breaking down all the film on Alex Padilla from the All-22 Iowa versus Northwestern. And then next week, we are joined by Cody Goodwin to cover the men's wrestling program and do a preview episode there. So we're, our, we're keeping you locked in and locked on for all the sports happening in the Iowa Hawkeye Athletic Realm. Also, field hockey, women's field hockey got the number two seed in the NCAA tournament. They are trying to make a run for a national title. And as those games happen, we'll make sure to keep you covered right here at Locked on Hawkeyes. So long, long, long intro. Uh, let's get into it, though, today. Let's start with the analytics. So we talked on the show yesterday with LaShawn Daniels about Alex Padilla versus Spencer Petras. And I'll just kind of sum up what we discussed. The, the big thing was we appreciated the mobility, not because he was scrambling at all, not because he was running, but because it allowed Iowa to do a few things they normally couldn't do. A great example is the rollout bootleg, in, or the rollout, excuse me, in the, at the end zone late in the first half, where then Alex Padilla delivered a beautiful pass to Keegan Johnson on the sideline. That is not something Spencer Petras is able to do. What we didn't talk about a lot was the fact that Alex Padilla did most of his damage from the pocket. The things I liked about Alex Padilla was that he stuck in the pocket. He did not seem rushed or anxious. He went through some of his retail. Granted, it seemed like the offense was pretty simplified for him in that regard. It was a lot of very quick reads, a lot of slants, uh, screen passes. But he did make several really good throws um, in targeting the second and third layer of the defense, being able to drop it over a linebacker and under a safety right into the hands of some of our guys. And honestly, that could have been part of the reason why Charlie Jones might have dropped that pass. Not used to being hit right there. And his ball placement was phenomenal compared to what we've seen from Spencer Petras in the past couple weeks. 
Now, granted, there were obviously some opportunities that he missed. Uh, the screen pass to Tyler. I think I thought it was Gavin Williams, but it might have been Tyler Goodson. The screen pass that there uh, in the second half could have been hit, wasn't hit, uh, should have been hit, I guess I could say. Um, but overall, Alex Padilla, I thought, did a really good job. The other piece I thought he did a really good job of was knowing when he wasn't having, when he didn't have a play and just chucking it away. That was beautiful. I mean, so he had two, he had two throwaways in this game, and they were plays where there was clearly a number one read. That guy was not open. Get the ball out. He has a clock in his head that it doesn't feel like Spencer always does. So let's go through the stats for Alex Badia. 18 of 28 for a 64.3% completion percentage, a 70.8 PFF grade. One big-time throw, zero turnover-worthy plays, which is very key, and an adjusted completion percentage of 80% if you take away the two drops and the two throwaways. Now, granted, they didn't credit Keegan Johnson for that drop in the end zone. I would argue that probably should have been a drop as well, which would have been a touchdown for Alex Padilla. Um, And he had 2.51 seconds of time to throw. That's on average with where Spencer is as well. Now, again, there's a couple reasons for that. Alex did have a better pass blocking unit. Our pass blocking grade was 71.2, which is the second best pass blocking grade from the Iowa Hawkeye linemen outside of Kent State. Our second best grade of the year. So he did have the ability to have good pass blocking. And then Iowa, again, they had a different play set. They called the game a bit differently. Now, whether they would have called that same game with Spencer in the lineup, I can't tell you for certain, but I'm pretty sure they would not have done a rollout in the back, like near your end zone with Spencer Petrus. That is a quick way to get a safety when it comes to having Spencer at quarterback. Only eight total pressures allowed on the day. Connor Colby had a great day, a 79 PFF grade. Mason Richmond, when he was healthy, which we'll hopefully get some more information on, had an 82.6 pass blocking grade. Tyler Linderbaum, 65.1. Kyler Schott, 66.5. And Nick DeYoung, 69. Jack Plum struggled, of course. 54.4 allowed two of those eight pressures. Kyler Schott allowed two other of those eight pressures. That's the quick breakdown for Alex Padilla versus Spencer Petrus. Again, we're going to keep diving into this more. It is a big deal as we head towards Minnesota, towards this Minnesota game, who is going to be starting quarterback. I think you have to give Alex Padilla the shot but I can't wait to have potentially Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite coming on and talking a bit more about Alex Padilla. So when we get that episode, we'll probably be dropping that as a bonus episode. So be on the lookout for that coming up very soon. Quickly getting into the defense before we talk some men's basketball. Um, The coverage grades for the Iowa football team, I noticed this. Without Riley Moss, 60.3, 72.1, 69.3. When they had Moss in the lineup, 83.1, 78.1, 66.1, 83.1, 85.1, 83.1, There's a clear difference with Riley Moss in the lineup. It's also worth noting that two of the three teams Iowa has faced recently does not do not have a good passing attack. Wisconsin and Northwestern do not have good passing attacks. Those should have been two of our best days we possibly have. Not the case. Thankfully, we get Riley Moss back soon. Jamari Harris has been playing well. In his absence, though, not not amazing, but has been playing well. Last week, targeted seven times, allowed four catches. Honestly, Matt Hankins has been the one that's kind of been struggling. Um, allowed three catches on four targets. Had the worst coverage grade of all corners for Iowa this past week, a 48.4 coverage grade. The defensive line was a big deal in this game as well. That was a big part of Iowa getting those turnovers, and it's something that we've been lacking the last two weeks. 24 total pressures by the defensive line, which is double 
the total amount from the last two games combined. That's how bad the defensive line has been at getting pressure as of recent. And Joe Evans led the way eight pressures by the former walk-on, two from Zach, or sorry, uh, four from John Wagner, and three from Lucas Van Ness. So we need to continue that pressure as we go to Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. Because without that pressure, we cannot get quarterbacks into making bad decisions quick or forcing the ball out of their hands quicker than they would want to, which gives Iowa an opportunity to feast in the secondary, which creates those turnovers, which creates the opportunities for the Iowa offense. The big issue I saw from this game from a defensive perspective, and we chatted about this with Deshaun Daniels, was tackling. It was one of Iowa's worst graded tackling performances. They've got to get better at this. So many opportunities to stop Northwestern, and they didn't capitalize on it because they missed the tackle. Seth Benson had two missed tackles. Zach Van Valkenburg had two missed tackles. And Jack Campbell had two missed tackles. Those are through three probably main players, three best players in that front seven, six missed tackles combined. You cannot have that. Now, one of the things we're going to be talking about is how good Iowa's rush defense can be or is to this point. Going up against Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska, you have three of the heaviest running teams in the Big Ten coming up very soon. Some some concern here. Against Northwestern, YA Black had a 47.8 run blocking grade or run defense grade. Logan Lee, 65.6. Noah Shannon, 55.2. These are our defensive tackles, and they were struggling in rush defense. We need them to perform better when we get going against Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. That is how Illinois has beaten ranked teams. It is using their running game to do those kind of things. And as we talk about those games, we always talk about what our projections are. Uh, will you know? Will Spencer throw an interception? Will Alex Padilla now throw an interception? What will the opposing quarterback do? And when we talk about that, if you want to make a little money on those, you got to go to PrizePicks.com. It is for all of you college football fanatics out there. It is daily fantasy made easy. It is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. They offer literally any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Here's how it works. You pick two to five players, you pick an over-under on their projection, and you can 10x any entry. You can also combine basketball and football. So Iowa basketball, Iowa football, combine them together, 10x your entry, put a little money in your pocket right now. All users that listen to this podcast, use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You can make these entries in 60 seconds or less, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. And I want to thank you all for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. I really appreciate all of you loyal listeners out there. And for any of you that are tuning in for the first time, check us out Monday through Friday, Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, wherever you get podcasts at, and also on YouTube as well to search Lockdown Hawkeyes. And as we were talking about before we took a break, we talked a lot about the football team and diving into the analytics. Anyone who's listened to my shows before knows that this episode is usually 25 to 30 minutes of analytics. However, we got some winter sports coming up. The men's basketball team had an exhibition last week. We're going to be breaking that down a little bit, what we learned, and also what to expect from this team. So here's some of the expectations from other outlets. Ken Palm has Iowa 23rd overall and 7th in the Big Ten. 
pretty impressive. Ken Palm's usually a pretty accurate source for basketball material. They have Iowa as the 10th best adjusted offense and 58th adjusted defense, which would be a significant improvement for Iowa. And that is where we've talked about Iowa and the expectations for the Hawks and where last year Iowa should have been favored in every single game. Sometimes their offense wasn't there and their defense wasn't able to keep them in those games. It's a little bit of an inverse effect here. Our offense is going to be solid. However, our defense will be able to keep us in more games than what we could last year when our offense is not hitting things. We have three six foot nine guys in our starting lineup who can all run, pass, catch, shoot, and dribble. That is a very good benefit to have for an Iowa Hawkeye basketball squad. Now, when you look at bracketology, Joe Lenardi has the Iowa Hawkeyes as the last team in. CBS has a little bit of a less uh, a positive view on the Hawks. They have Iowa as low as 11th and as high as 8th in terms of their conference rankings. But nevertheless, everyone's kind of expecting Iowa to be in that 7 to 10 range. And really, just it's the unknown. You lose Luca Garza. You lose Joe Wieskamp, Jack Nungy, CJ Frederick. I mean, this is a lot of losses for an Iowa Hawkeye squad. But as I said, and, and not that it's addition by subtraction, I think the people that are then now there, they, we play a different type of Iowa Hawkeye basketball. Yes, we're still going to get out and run a lot, as we saw against Slippery Rock. Iowa was running and gunning. They were ready to roll. The three-point shooting wasn't exactly there, but I think it can continue to come along. Jordan Bohannon will get going. I expect Patrick McCaffrey and Keegan Murray to be able to hit a few more threes. Philip Robracha has that in his arsenal as well. And we saw Peyton Sanford hit several threes in that game. So it, we didn't have the three-point shooting against Slippery Rock. Not as big of a deal. I think this team is going to be more of a drive-to-the-basket team. It is also going to be a team that is reliant on getting out and running and playing a lot, putting a lot of pressure on defense. Fran McCaffrey is a very deep bench. He wants to get out and move. He wants to play pressure defense. He wants to force teams into turnovers. He realizes that they need to get better on that end of the floor. Last year, we're not good, but the offense was so good it didn't matter. This year, we don't have that guaranteed two points every time Luka Garza gets the ball. We don't have a Joe Wieskamp who can take over if Luka Garza is struggling. Now, Patrick McCaffrey, Keegan Murray, Philip Abracha, they can be guys like that but we haven't seen it yet. Now, I was impressed, though, by both Patrick and Keegan against Slippery Rock. Now, granted, it was an exhibition, but Keegan Murray looked different. This guy looked like he was ready to lead this team. 17 points, five rebounds. Last year, we didn't see him be as aggressive as much. He was really just a, wherever you need me, I'm going to be at. I'm going to get the boards. I'll make a couple shots. But he realized he was not the focal point of the offense, and he did not need to do those kind of things. And against Slippery Rock, it looked like he got the message from Fran McCaffrey. He was being aggressive. He was attacking the basket, and I love to see it. Patrick McCaffrey also looked good. One of the big things about this year was that he was he has not been healthy that much. Um, but he even talked about it. We interviewed Patrick McCaffrey uh, a couple months ago, and he was really excited for the season to show the energy that this team had and the ability to get out and move. And Patrick McCaffrey was probably the lead facilitator of all of that, getting a rebound and going full court. Went 7-9 from the field. I'm really excited what Patrick and Keegan can do. Honestly, the success of this team really lies on the success of those two guys and how much they grew from last year to this year. Patrick McCaffrey, a top 100 recruit previously. You expect big things from him, but we haven't seen it 
to this point yet due to injuries, also due to rotations and that kind of thing. I thought Philip Abracha looked very good as well. Um, really excited to see him in a full game. Uh, did a good job passing, shooting, all that kind of stuff, and was really active on the boards. Again, this is a team that we have struggled in the past with some rebounding, and it looked like against Slippery Rock at least, this is a team that's going to be aggressive in it, you know, getting on the boards. They're not going to make every single shot. We need to get there. We need to attack the boards. We need to get as many second-chance opportunities as we possibly can. Now, the starting lineup that came out. This is the one that I was predicting most of offseason. It was Joe Toussaint, Jordan Bohannon, Patrick McCaffrey, Keegan Murray, and Philip Abracha. This is what we've been projecting. This is what we got. Some people were like, why would Connor McCaffrey not be starting? I think Fran finally realized Connor doesn't fit with that first team lineup. And honestly, what we saw at that second string unit, it is a bunch of younger guys, a lot of inexperienced guys. It's good to have a guy like Connor McCaffrey on the court to be basically an in-game coach and managing that second unit and calming those nerves and getting them playing at their best. The best skill that Connor McCaffrey had last year was getting the ball to Luka Garza in creative ways. We don't have Luka Garza, but Connor McCaffrey's skills can still translate. He's still a good facilitator. He's been working on his shot. But more importantly, he is one of the smartest guys in the court at any given time. And he can help kind of calm down that second unit that has a ton of potential, but also is going to experience road bumps throughout the season with a lot more playing time than they are used to at this point. Coming up in a few short moments, we're going to be breaking down the schedule. Um, some interesting thoughts here. Uh, when you look at what Kempom did, they had Iowa going 10-10 and 10 in Big Ten play, which wouldn't actually be all that bad. And their, their projection is 20-11. and 11. So we're going to be talking about that and which games we think Iowa can win, should win, and probably won't win. All those three items coming up here in a few short moments. I do want to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market today. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are absolutely missing out. I know it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. It's not chalky. It's not waxy. It's not hard to get down. Built Bars are soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It is truly delicious. Built Bars are also really good for you. Low carb, low fat, low sugar, low calorie, high in protein. It's what you need in a protein bar without all that crappy, nasty stuff you have to deal with. Great tasting, great for you. And if you go to built.com, that's B-U-I-L-T.com, and use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And before we took a break, we talked a little bit about the men's basketball team, a little bit about the lineup. Now I want to tell you about their schedule. It is not the easiest schedule, but at least they start off with a lot of should-be gimme wins. They should start 6-0 as they will be favored by 20 or more points in every game in those first six games. Then they get a very, very, very tough test to start their season after that. Virginia, Purdue, Illinois. All tournament-worthy teams, Purdue and Illinois, uh, shooting for you know top three, top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. Illinois can give Iowa troubles with Andre Cervello, Cervello and obviously Kofi Coburn. Kofi being a big guy, Iowa not having a lot of size. Now, this would be a game where we're probably going to see Josh, Joshua Gundele in that game, maybe Riley Mulvey. We need some of those bigger guys to handle Kofi Coburn. And Josh actually played pretty well in a few short moments against Kofi. Kofi doesn't have a lot of skills, per se. He's just very big. We need another very big guy out there to stop him. And that's where I think Josh will be really, really important there. But that three-game stretch 
Right now, Kempom projects us to lose all three games. I would say if we can get out of there with one win, that's huge. If we go two and one, I'll be freaking ecstatic. If we go three and oh, I'll get a little bit too excited. That'll be like this Iowa football team going six and oh and beating Penn State. I will be having dreams of championship banners. So if they go three and oh, you want to be on this show because I'm going to be excited to be talking about Iowa basketball. But again, if they win one of those three games, I'll honestly be happy. It's early in the season. I This team is a team that I feel like is going to be hitting their stride towards the end of the season, not at the beginning, with a younger team, not as much starting experience. There are going to be a few bumps and bruises along the way. That first three games cannot doesn't make or break the season, but getting one or two wins there does help give this team confidence as they get into another stretch where they should be able to win. So after that, they get four straight games against relatively easy opponents, Iowa State, Utah State, Southeast Louisiana, and Western Illinois. Then they start the year with Big Ten play. And they're honestly, I mean, there's some really, really good teams in the Big Ten. Very good teams. Iowa's going to have a tough battle regardless of what game they're in if they're playing Big Ten basketball. But here's what I think their losses are going to be. I think they lose to Purdue on the road early. I also think they lose to Illinois at home early. I think they win that Virginia game is really what I'm saying. I think they lose on the road to Rutgers January 19th. Rutgers is a good basketball school now. They're very strong defensive-minded team. They always give Iowa some troubles here. I think they lose to Ohio State on the road February 3rd. I think they lose to both Michigan on the road and at home, unfortunately. I believe they lose to Nebraska. I know this is tough, but Nebraska at home – it's a look-ahead game. You're looking ahead to Michigan. You're also looking behind a Maryland team, and it's a tough game. It's a third game in a seven-game stretch, or the second game in a seven-game stretch. Not an easy place for B. Iowa, in the past couple of years, has dropped a game like this almost every single year. I think it's going to be this game. What that does mean is I'm projecting them to beat Illinois in the last game of the season on the road. I also think they will, the last weird loss is February 28th to Northwestern. I think this Iowa basketball team finishes 23-8 and eight in this season. A little bit above what Ken Palm projects. I think they probably will be a six seed in the tournament, maybe a five seed, which I think would be very impressive for this team. Now, to have that happen, sorry, excuse me, I had to cough there. Now, to have that happen, Keegan Murray and Patrick McCaffrey need to play like all Big Ten basketball players. Philippa Bracha needs to be averaging 8 to 10 points and pulling in 8 to 9 rebounds a game. Jordan Bohannon has to be the effective three-point shooter we've seen him be. And getting a lot of volume of shots, he will have to hit a lot of those and be that big-time, big-game shot maker as we've seen him be in the past. Defensive energy. We cannot have lapses in defensive energy. This team does not have the offensive firepower to withstand those lapses. And then finally, the second string unit needs to kind of come together, and I think they will under Connor McCaffrey. I just think against Slippery Rock, they're a little bit nervous. A lot of younger guys in that lineup, um, but I do expect that second unit to kind of come together a bit better. That does do it for our show today and does do it for our Iowa basketball preview. Just a reminder, we are doing a full 25-minute preview of the women's basketball team on tomorrow's show as well. So be on the lookout for that. Lots of fun stuff coming your way right here at the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I want to appreciate you all coming in and tuning in. If you want more 
Locked On content, check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast hosted by Nate Dickinson. He has guests on every single day as they break down all the news and storylines across the Big Ten. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic Monday. And as always, Hawkeye Nation, let's go Hawks.